Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Rousseau. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. My guest today, Gary Lawless, the great, great Gary Lawless, uh, just a legend in the hockey writing and broadcasting community, uh, was up in Winnipeg forever. Uh, he used to do his radio show up there all the time. He was a columnist up there uh, for many, many, many uh, years. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, but he got the dream job, the job I've always aspired to have. No, I'm just kidding, everybody. Uh, but... Actually, I'm kind of not. The uh, dream job that I always aspired to have, the Vegas Golden Knights insider. He's also a color analyst, uh, but went there when they were expansion team and has just done an amazing job helping build hockey uh, with that market. And he's uh, to have somebody with his pedigree uh, be sort of the face and the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's just such a cool, cool thing for the fans of the Golden Knights. Um, we'll talk to him a lot about uh, his career, but also um, the Vegas team and and how the heck the Wild just continually just beat this team. They did it again last night out of nowhere. The Wild rally back from a 5-3 third period deficit. Kevin Fiala gets the goal midway through the period after just an incredible save um, by, by Cam Talbot on Alex Tuck. And how often do you see a big save on one end lead to a goal on the other end? But Victor Rass leads an odd man rush, gets it back to Benino, and Kevin Fiala follows up his own rebound attempt with just a great, great uh, goal to, to pull them within a goal. And then again, out of nowhere, once again, Kirill Kaprizov ties the game, and who would have thought it? It doesn't even go to overtime. 26 seconds later, Jonas Bardeen scores his career-high ninth goal to win the game in regulation. And the reason why that was huge is you don't give Vegas a point. And now Colorado comes back, beats San Jose in extra time. And now, all of a sudden, in the Wild, actually, if they can win Wednesday night in regulation against Vegas... I mean, there is a chance the Wild play the Golden Knights in the playoffs. And so that's why I wanted to get Gary on. Plus, he's in town. So it's always uh, fun to do a podcast with Gary. And then as we're going to go do, uh, have a nice Italian dinner right after this podcast. Um, trying to think what else about this uh, this team right now. I mean, let's talk about Kevin Fiala. I mean, this guy is just absolutely on fire again, just like he was at the end of last season before the pandemic paused the season. But he has six goals, 13 points in his last um, eight games. 
But it's just big goals every night, big plays every night. He usually has the primary assist on the tying goal or the winning goal if he's not the one scoring the big goal. And, you know, th- that's like last night he was, again, got back to some old habits of, of, of turning pucks over and things like that. But you can handle it when he always comes through in the clutch. And that's what's so great, dare I say, that he is a game breaker. Kevin Fiala is a game breaker. Paul Fenton was right. And uh, he's just, um, man, it's just so fun to watch him play. And that's the difference with this wild team is they've got guys up and down their lineup that can make plays. Guys like Kirill Kaprizov, who has now 24 goals. Last night, I believe, tied Philip Kuba's assist record as a rookie. So he's writing the record books from a rookie perspective. The other guy, again, is Yule Eriksson Ek. Uh, you know, 18 goals on the season on, uh, like, I think anybody that listens to my podcast and has read me knows that how much I like Jule Eriksson Eck and think he's one of the great shutdown centers in this league. Never in my wildest imagination would I have thought that he'd be a goal scorer like this. I will say all the analytics people have been saying that his numbers have absolutely led to a guy that can bury these chances that he always gets. But what I I just always thought is that he was what he was. He would get these unbelievable chances at the goal line and he just wouldn't put it in or he'd hit the post or just go wide or he'd whiff. And now he is just burying these pucks and not only burying pucks, but he's making like ridiculous plays, uh, like the the goal the other night against the St. Louis Blues, where he just you know tucks it back, circles around a defender, leaves Sokola in his dust, and and scores an unbelievable highlight reel goal. So, man, it's just been fun watching this team. The other thing is they're getting goaltending now. I know Cam Talbot's leaked a little bit here lately, not a little bit. He has given up fourteen goals in his last three games. But again, just like Fiala, you can handle it when in the third period, he's making save after save after save. And what does he do? Last night, I do think that he got a little rattled and probably lost his composure a little bit when he thought the first goal should have been disallowed for goalie interference. And I think that then next thing you know, on a power play that he felt that the Vegas Golden Knights didn't earn, they score again. And I think it just got him off his game. But in the third period, when they most needed him, he makes big saves. He was, he was, absolutely flawless. And then on a late penalty kill, when Ian Cole put the puck in the stands, um, you know, what do the Wild do? They, they, they suck it up for their teammate. They, they protect him. You know, they, they make sure that Ian Cole, a great veteran, isn't the go to the game by going out there and making saves. Eula Eriksson-Eck and Jonas Bourdain break up potential scoring chances. And then Cam Talbot, just look at the replay of the save he made on Alec Martinez. Just an extraordinary tri- uh, save. So, just really cool to see this team right now and the way that they're coming together when it most matters with five games left in the regular season heading into a postseason. We're gonna, they're going to have two. They're going to have a first round tough matchup and they get by the first round. They're going to have a tough second round matchup where they're going to have to either in the first round or the second round go probably go past uh, Colorado or Vegas. Wilder 17-2-1 in their last 20 at home. Uh, which is, again, you know, Ryan Hartman was saying the other day, like his first year here in Minnesota, how awful the Wild were at home. And I look back at that that year and they were atrocious. They just lost game after game after game at home. And now they're just winning and making XL Energy Center a tough place to play again, which is why they're trying to get home ice advantage in the first round. They are 11-2-2 all-time versus Vegas, have beaten the Vegas five in a row, five and one and one this season. So if the Wild can match up against the Vegas Golden Knights, at a minimum, it's going to be an entertaining series because all seven games so far this season in the regular season have been very, very entertaining. Obviously, the playoffs are a different animal than the regular season. Vegas is playoff tested, uh, but the Wild have a lot of playoff experience on their team as well, including two guys that won two cups in Ian Cole and 
Nick Bonino. Let's get to uh, to to Gary Lawless, but I, I did want to just uh, you know last week we talked about the tough story I wrote on Marco Rossi. Um, just a couple really things to point you to. You know, I'm nobody if I don't pimp the athletic. And by the way, theathletic.com/slash straight from the source will get you in for three ninety nine a month. Um, but really uh, today, uh, so actually Tuesday when I'm recording this, I did a really cool story on Nico Sturm and his girlfriend Taylor Turnquist. Uh, Taylor plays for the Boston Pride, was a high school star at Spring Lake Park. Uh, when she was at Spring Lake Park, um, she was a three sport athlete there. And look at her going on elite prospects and and. Look at her senior year there and how just absolutely dominant she was, at least statistically. Then she goes on to Clarkson, wins two Frozen Fours, uh, NCAA championships, and then goes to the Boston Pride this year, her rookie year in the NWHL, and she wins a championship there. Um, the Pride have asked her back, but but it looks to me like she's going to sign with the Whitecaps, which will be pretty, pretty cool. So she may be close to Nico next year. Uh, Nico is actually living with her family while she's in Boston this year. But the other really neat part of the story is that Taylor teaches at the New England England Center for Children. She teaches um, autistic kids ages um, 6 to 12. Of course, I forget what I wrote in my story. Maybe, no, sorry, 12 to 16. Um, and um, she t- has 12 students and just, uh, you know, the, the respect and the inspiration that they each have for each other um, is really needed and is palpable in the story. So, highly recommend you reading that story. And then on Friday, I'll be honest. I, I think all of you know how how many tough tough stories I've written in my career. Um, Friday's story was one of the hardest stories I've ever written. It's on Pierre Roscoe, the linesman, who, if you follow me on Twitter, know that I uh, have a you know a big amount of respect for. He's also a good friend of mine, to be blunt and full disclosure. But he's retiring Saturday night, and I did a story on his career, but also. His best friend, Stefan Provo, uh, number 72, a linesman who I was also very, very close with. Um, in 2005, he died during the NHL lockout on a motorcycle accident in Weston, Florida, right off State, State Road 84 um, there in Arvida Parkway. And um, man, it's it's just a tough story and how Pierre has really devoted the rest of his career to, um, to one, Stefan's memory and his legacy, but also taking care, helping take care of Stefan's family. At the time, his daughters were uh, five years old and 10 months years old, 10 months old. And um, he started a fund that the NHL Officials Association have had annual poker tournaments to raise money for his two girls' education. Well, I talked to Ashley in, for the story, who turns 22 in, the, in a couple days, um, and uh, his other daughter, Steph's other daughter, daughter Riley, is now 16. Um, one of the funds, uh, the fund has put Ashley fully through college and is going to put, has raised enough money to put uh, Riley through college. And uh, so just kudos, one to Pierre, but also to the NHL officials, the refs and the linesmen who have really supported this family. And now that money is going to continue on. It's going to go to other families, other to help uh, NHL officials and their families. Um, right now, uh, money is going to Mick Magoo's family, the former longtime legendary referee. I laugh because he was just such a cartoon character the way he used to skate around the ice and we used to see him in xl energy center and and uh and you know places like up in winnipeg and things like that because he was an officiating manager after he retired from officiating um but it goes to two of his kids isaac and carly i talked to carly for the story as well there uh two of his five kids are still in school at university of regina so i'm telling you uh this story you will you will weep but you will be so heartwarmed. Um, it is just uh, such a 
I don't know. It's just such a beautiful story. Every time I read it over and over again as it's going through the editing process, I'm just more and more proud of it. So I hope you read that. Um, but without further ado, uh, let's talk to uh, just <laughs> a character himself, Gary Lawless. Well, Gary, uh, it's nice to be here at the St. Paul Hotel. I haven't been here. It feels like all season because usually I hang out at downtown, you know, at XL Energy Center and I hang out here all day, but you just can't do that this season because we're not allowed on the event level. So I haven't been down to this hotel really all season long. Well, this is where we were yeah. on March 12th when uh, the season was paused yes. last year. And it was funny. I'll, I'll tell the story real quick. We had dinner at a place, uh, at a different place, and then... Vegas was in the, you know, they were in the mix in the Pacific Division. There were important games going on that night, and we couldn't find a place that had uh, had the package because we wanted to watch. Uh, I think Edmonton was playing that night. We wanted to watch them play, so we went to Herb Herbie's on the park, uh, Herb Brooks restaurant. Yep. And while we were there, the news the NBA uh, of the NBA broke, and uh, you know, uh, I was so I was with Shane Knighty. Um, former player and now our former wild crate. Yeah. Yeah. Played uh, and now our color analyst and Dave Gosher, who's our uh, TV analyst and Dan Duva, who's my, my partner. He's the, our play by play guy on radio. And uh, so I sent a text to, to somebody right away. And uh, we were, we were on the, it was the first game of a road trip. So and we were supposed to be out for four or five days. So we all have about 500 bucks of, uh, of per diem in our pockets. And, we were, you know, kind of waiting to see what happened. And then I got a text from somebody and uh, he said, you're probably going back to Vegas tomorrow. None of this was official, but, you know, so we came back and sat in the St. Paul grill and uh, um, I'll, I'll just describe it as this. None of us had any per diem left when we got on the plane. <laughs> it was quite a night. <laughs> now did Bill Foley say, hey, I need 450 bucks back. I never heard that, so uh, <laughs> and I hope he's not listening yeah. to this. <laughs> that is a great story. Um, yeah, that was just a crazy, crazy day. It really was. Um, just uh, it's amazing when you think back to the beginning of the pandemic and canceling everything and all that, and now you're going through this type of season with guys testing positive all the time today. Kuznetsov in Washington, and it's just like you kind of look back now and you're like, man, if we knew then what we knew now, would they have just continued to truck on through? It'd be hard to do, but it's pretty unbelievable. It has been, and I'll give the NHL credit. I think that yeah. they have you know, made the right decisions based on the information that they had at the time. We, you know, you can second guess it after, but you can't second guess. I, I just think Batman has done a brilliant job in, uh, he's been nimble. He's put together, uh, you know, listened to a ton of people, made decisions when he's had to, hasn't rushed decisions, uh, been really good in the moment. And then the long range work that he's done. Like you think about it, that he got the Stanley Cup off last year, got that new CBA done, and now he's done you know, two huge TV deals that uh, almost triple uh, the league's television revenue in a, in, in a, a pandemic. In a pandemic, and also in a time when the NFL is just soaking up so much money. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at the, the NFL deals uh, that they have done; it made it really hard, I think, for anybody else to operate in that space. And I, I think that's part of why NBC is no longer part of the part of the picture. Uh, they invested so much in in the NFL. And when they did it, they said, we're going to have to make decisions. And uh, they did. So good for Batman for, and I'm really excited about Turner. I think that 
I, listen, I, I, I enjoyed the, t- the the hockey on NBC. Parts of it are, were were brilliant, you know. Uh, obviously, Doc and, and Ed, and I, I'm a big fan of John Forslund's work. I think Keith Jones in their studio. Uh, that's where it kind of changes for me because I think Keith Jones, Catherine Tappen, uh, Patrick Sharp, I think they could do a lot more than, than mm-hmm. they have done. And uh, uh, hopefully some of those people move over to Turner. And I would be really excited to see what the the production minds at Turner, what they come up with, because I think hockey can take a step here. No doubt about it. Um, Gary, I want to talk to you, obviously, about the Golden Knights and, and the, you know, a potential first-round matchup with the Minnesota Wild. But, but um, I also want to talk to you about your career. I mean, you were an absolute legend up north of the border in Winnipeg forever. Radio, TV, columnist, everything, uh, TSN. Um, and then all of a sudden, we did wake up one day to the huge news that Gary Lawless is going to Vegas to be the uh, insider. Uh, my dream job. Didn't know it was available. I don't think it was to anybody but you. How how did that all come about? How hard of a decision was it to leave your 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 country to go to Vegas to be the the face, the voice of the media in, in uh, for an expansion team? Yeah, easier for me than it was for my family, for yeah. my wife and daughter. Um, I'll just to go back to my career. You know, one of the the, the best co- uh, compliments I was ever, ever made. Uh, what paid to me was that I was the Mike Russo of Winnipeg <laughs> and I, we did the job uh, yeah. a little differently. You know what I mean? You're more of a, uh, um, I was more of a columnist, more of a, you know, throw a fastball uh, type guy and you're, uh, but broke a lot of stories and had my, uh, had my finger on the pulse of what was, of everything that was happening there. And you are uh, for my, for my money, the best beat writer in the NHL. Thanks and, so much. Uh, and I would say, that, uh, I would say, one of the best beat writers, you know, I, I, I'd be comfortable saying you're just as good as anybody that covers the NFL, the NBA, or MLB. I don't follow sports well yeah. enough to, to know who the players are, but I would find it hard to believe that anybody covers their market um, t- better than you. And I bet you uh, there's a lot of markets that don't get the same uh, same coverage that uh, the people here in Minnesota get uh, from you. So Thanks so uh, much. Um, well, you know, I was, uh, you know – I was a hockey guy, started in Thunder Bay, covering the, the Colonial Hockey League and the USHL, and then uh, ended up in, in Winnipeg and did a lot of CFL football there and and a lot of American League, International League, American League, and then NHL hockey. And uh, along the way, picked up a radio show and then started doing some television. And TSN came to me at a certain point and said, you know what, we'd like you to be a columnist for us. Your radio show is already on TSN. You're already doing a ton of TV and on uh, on TSN. Let's have you in house. So I moved to. So I'd been at the Free Press for about 14 years, and then I moved to TSN, and th- that relationship lasted about four years until I made the move to Vegas. And you know, it just it was one of those things. I had a great relationship with George McPhee, and uh, we, you know, just in the course of a conversation one day, uh, it came up, and he just was like, "Well, would you come to Vegas?" And I was like, well, you know, I'd certainly have the conversation, but, and that was me being a negotiator. Cause as <laughs> soon as he said it in the back of my head, I was gone. Yeah. yeah I, I, it was an opportunity to, to be part of, of, and I could never have guessed that it was going to be uh, as good as it's been. 
uh, you know, four trips to the playoffs already, yeah. uh, a, a trip to the Stanley Cup. Uh, the best you've been there. It's the best atmosphere yeah. in the NHL. Like a Tuesday night in Vegas is better than a Saturday night just about anywhere yep. else in, in the National Hockey League. And and that's not disrespect to to other fan bases because there's lots of great fan bases. It's just the combination of where the rink is, what surrounds the rink, the entertainment factor that the that you know, the vision of of Bill Foley and Kerry Bubolts and. Johnny Greco and uh, and the people that he's in Seattle now, and now it's Andrew Abrams and uh, a bunch of really good people on that side of things. And then just the people that they were hiring. They had McPhee, they had McCrimmon, they had Von Karp, and the, the, you know, we were, uh, there was talk that they were going to get Bobby Lowe's. They got Bobby Lowe's. Then they hired Gerard Gallant. Um, now it's Pete DeBoer. Uh, shortly after I got there, uh, they handed me and my boss uh, the files on the other broadcasters, the broadcast positions that were open. I got to be part of putting that wow. team together, and it's second to none. Dave Gosher yeah. is is uh, is one of the best play-by-play guys in the NHL, and Shane Knighty, um, I think, is the best analyst south of the border. And I actually, my radio partner, Dan Duva, I'll put him up against anyone else in the mm-hmm. NHL. I think he's fantastic, and he's going to get a TV job uh, in a big market uh, at some point in time. So it just it's been uh, it's been it's been great. And then they hired just really cool social media people. Um, uh, you know, the, Eric Tosi and and, yeah. and Alyssa Girardi and Sage Salmons and uh, all those people. And now we've brought in Darren Millard and Stormy Bonatoni, and it's just. Uh, it's just a really deep team yeah. of, of talented people, and Darren Millard. I uh, loved when you guys brought him in. Yeah, you know, well, he's you know, such a ho- yeah hockey night in Canada, big yeah. deal in Canada, and uh, um, you know the Rogers' mistake was our gain. We were really lucky to be able yeah. to to bring him in and. Uh, I, uh, watch our broadcast. I think yeah. it's uh, I think it's second to none. Yeah. That was one of the coolest things during the 2018 run. Is that uh, after the Wild were eliminated, I actually covered you guys because we didn't have a Vegas beat writer yet. Now Jesse Granger's there does a great job. But but they put me on. Uh, they put me on um, on the on the Golden Knights, and uh, so I got to do a lot of your kind of pregame. Uh, it was pretty much like Facebook Live. Yeah, at we did. The time, we right doing, in Winnipeg. Yeah. And, so what happens is after the first round. Uh, the TV partner drops off. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we have our broadcasters are all in house. So uh, we, you know, we've built the studio now in our practice facility and it's, it's beautiful. So we can do all kinds of streams and, yeah. uh, and there's other ways to get fans than just on television and radio. And we go after them in that, in that manner. Yeah. It's uh it's just, I don't know. You guys just do a great job. Everything from the game ops, which is, as you mentioned, the best in the league. And, and uh, I just, I'm envious every time I go there. The atmosphere, just walking to a game, walking from my hotel into that arena. There's just it gets you, it gets you up as a beat writer. That's for sure. I can only imagine uh, working for the franchise and being an analyst um, uh, with you. You mentioned uh, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee. One of the coolest things that I did is um, when I was still at the Star Tribune in 2017 Labor Day, I texted McPhee because I happened to be in Vegas. I'm like, hey, any way you'd sit down with me and do a big story? He's like. Yeah, I'm working today. I'm like, you know, it's Labor Day, right? And so I go down. The, I go down to when you when they were in like Bill Foley's. Like, That's we call that 1701. Yeah, it's a, it's a little uh, one of like his, in an office little, park. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's one of his financial 
it's part of his financial yeah. services empire, yeah. and that's. Uh, and who is um who is his longtime editorial uh, uh, editorial uh, executive assistant that uh, oh, George's yeah oh, that yeah, was in Washington it, it, too yeah, Katie Bettinger yeah so Katie and him are the only two working there. Yeah. It's like Labor Day, so it's on a Monday, and I drive take an Uber down there, and he opens up and he gets locked out of the building. He's like, and he calls up Katie. And he's like, I left my key card on my desk and she comes with it. And we go up to this boardroom and we do this really cool interview. And it was one of the great, one of my uh, favorite stories I wrote the Star Tribune was just me and George McPhee when the Vegas Golden Knights were still just in like, uh, it was just him and Murray Craven. And, and I don't even know if Kelly was there yet. Yeah, Kelly would have been hired. I don't know if he would have started. Okay. Yeah, right yeah, it was right just, uh, you know, this is before him. that season that they started doing all the thing. It was just, I don't know. It was such a cool thing. He showed me where the practice facility was going to be and everything. Well, when Seattle's check cleared last week, mm-hmm. I phoned George and I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing on TV tonight. And I want to talk about the difference between, you know, before, before the check clears and after, because you become a, 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 a real member of the yeah. NHL after your, after the expansion fee is accepted. And he, and it, George is a really smart guy and <laughs> he thought he's thoughtful. He gave it a little bit of a thought and he goes, well, the difference is you go from being in the embryonic stage to actually, actually being alive. Yeah. It's and, a, it's uh, real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was perfectly, uh, yeah. perfectly put by George. Yeah. You, you know, what was, was going on then too, is that he was at the office that day because they were just getting like, 15 laptops for their scouts and they were having their scouting meetings starting the next day. And it was just like, he was just getting ready. He showed me his whole presentation. He was going to show it the scouts. Everything was going to be onboarding the next day. And what was really neat is so that night I'm driving around, I'm, I'm walking around Vegas. I walk into the Bellagio and boom, I run into Scott Luce, yeah. uh, who's the director of amateur scouting with the Vegas school nights who I covered way back then. who was the Florida Panthers director sure. of amateur scouting. And we sat at the bar at the Bellagio and he was just talking about his excitement about like, God, if we could just do this and be decent and competitive. And then they go to the Stanley Cup final that year. It was just so cool. Well, it's funny, you know, when Vegas clinched for the fourth time, uh, <laughs> you know, I texted George and Kelly and, and said, when I took this job, I thought this was the first time we'd make it. Yeah. Uh, you year. know, well, third or fourth. Yeah. You know, like George's, they're, they're draft and develop guys. And yep. you saw if they had a, this would be a real, you could do this story. If you took every draft pick that they accumulated in their trades, you know, leading up to the expansion draft, if they hadn't have traded any of those picks, you know, hadn't hadn't packaged up picks for Pacioretty, for Stone, for if you took all those picks and all those prospects and put them and and then and made the picks, it would be fascinating to see what their roster would look like, what the organizational roster would look like right now, because that was the plan. The plan wasn't to to use those those picks to weaponize those picks to get players for now, it was to build this huge uh, prospect pool and and yep. then, and then be good in year three or four and then really take off. And instead, you know, because of you know some of the deals they were able to make and and, yeah. and really Mark Andre Fleury, I think, kind of yep. at the heart of that, like that he kind of changed things. Yeah. Getting getting flower, you know, just sort of took the organization from it, it really just changed everything that that they were able to do because his performance that year you know he was so good and you know listen credit to Gerard Glant and his staff and and all those players 
that, that that performed the way they did, but Mark Andre Fleury was a backbone of all that. No doubt about it. It reminded me of when Florida had John Van Beesburg, and obviously they didn't make it till year three, but they went to the Stanley Cup final. But but Beezer right at the beginning, him and yep. Mark, Mark Fitzpatrick, that whole tandem there was just so good in ninety five, ninety six, uh, but starting in nineteen ninety three. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Gary, let me ask you um, about this Vegas Golden Knights team. Just watching these games against Minnesota, you know, first of all, they're just all exciting. They're back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to Billy Guerin on the phone about this today. It's like, you know what? We got to learn how to win games like that. Like last night, the Wild didn't protect the puck really well. They, it was a back and forth game. Odd man rushes left and right. But with the from a Minnesota standpoint, to actually go toe-to-toe in these rush-to-rush games against Vegas, if you're going to play them or Colorado in the playoffs, you better be able to win it because you're not going to be able to win 2-1 every night in the playoffs against the Vegas Golden Knights. And Vegas has scored five goals or more in more games than any other team in the NHL this year. They they, they have offense. And last night, Vegas played really well. Things got a little hairy down the stretch. Obviously, not great goaltending at all from Robin Leonard, but 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 uh, they they again showed last night how sometimes against this Minnesota team there just seems to be this block that for some reason they can't wind up winning the game. Yeah, it's interesting because that game I think was different than all the others. Like that game, I I put at the feet of the Golden Knights. I think they 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 lost that game rather than, than Minnesota had won it. And Minnesota, the other games that they've won this year, they've won those games through. You know, playing real structure, clogging up the middle. They didn't do that last night. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny. I, I, you know, early in early late in the second, I said on the radio, I said, "Who had six five on the bingo card tonight?" <laughs> and uh, and I meant the other way around. I thought Vegas was going to win. I, I thought Minnesota would make a push, but it, you know, you don't want to you don't want to blame the goalie for for. 100% for a loss, but th- that was just, that was Robin Leonard's worst performance since he's joined the Golden Knights. He's, mm. he's only lost three regular season games, Crazy. I think, since he came over and uh, two against Arizona and now the one against Minnesota. Th- there was, that that was a weird one last night. And I would think that, you know, the film that when Vegas looked at it today, yeah, there were some, they got sloppy at the end, which, uh, uh the mom- momentum is just such a big factor. And when Minnesota got it to 5-5, they really, like I thought, boy, oh boy, Vegas better get the puck down in their end of the zone and not let them get another shot on goal because uh, it, it just felt like a weird one was going to go in. You know what it felt like to me? It felt like the major in uh, in San Jose yeah. in game seven of 18-19, uh, of just the way things just kind of tilted real fast in favor of uh, of Minnesota. So I, I think you're right. I think it'll be some great games. And you saw the nastiness last night. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Hartman uh, started to get under the skin of some of the Golden Knights. Uh, Greenway and McNabb were going at it a little bit. And then uh, Erickson Eck took a run at – at, at uh, Peyton Krebs, the rookie playing his first game last night. And then McNabb took a run at Erickson Eck later on. Um, Felino got into the got into the mix. So uh, uh, they, if Ryan Reeves had been in that game last night, 
could have been really interesting. And yeah, Mark Stone said that after the game. So is that what Mark Stone was upset about at the end of the game? A lot of pe- I didn't see it because you know when after a game like that you're just scrambling sure, to get ready. Uh, but apparently Mark Stone was was screaming, was like pointing or screaming at, and some people thought it was the refs. But then he kind of indicated in his post game that it was about the wild chirping, and it'll be different when Reeves comes back. Well. It will be different when Reeves comes back. That's just <laughs> <laughs> Mark doesn't have to say that. You yeah. and I, you and I know that he's well. He's the nuclear deterrent, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's he's a very different player than anyone else in the NHL, and uh, it, it's funny. You know, I have seen a couple of teams play a little bigger than they they normally do. And I don't think you have to play Ryan Reeves every night in a playoff series, but I'd play him in game one, and game two, to set the tone and yeah. let everyone know. You know, if, if I bet you the New York Rangers wishes wish yeah. they had Ryan Reeves, Ryan Reeves in their lineup last night, or that yeah. they'd have them available. I think they play again on Wednesday, yeah. don't they? Yeah, you know, I think Washington and uh, yeah, and you know Tom Wilson's not going to be suspended, and the Rangers they've just put a they just put a statement yeah. saying that they think George Peros is Darryl unfit for the office, which I think is preposterous. I, I, I'm I'm shocked that the Rangers would put yeah. that statement out because they're not doing themselves any favors. I sat in George Peros' office two, three years ago for a huge athletic story and uh, he knows what he's doing. The oh. problem with that play is that you, you'd almost have to be making up a rule to suspend them. I mean, there's... You know like, what? You, know. you can suspend him for being bigger and stronger than Perrin. Yeah. Like the, the, the Buchnevich stuff. And listen, I don't like anything about that play, but the, there's the, the Wilson and Buchnevich have their thing, and then Panarin jumps on Wilson's back. W- what does he expect to happen? Yeah, like, yeah. Th- that, like without his helmet. I mean, that was the thing, you know. Um, I, yeah, I'm not the. I'm not a, I, like my problem with Tom Wilson always is just his. I feel like he's got this lack of respect for the health of others, but. The reality is, is that if you look at that play individually from a Department of Safety standpoint, you can't. There's, there's no rule that like he, he, you don't suspend somebody for roughing. Um, it's just unfortunately, you know, it, it's just a bad situation. But I actually know a lot of those guys at the Department of Player Safety. They, they're not just sitting there and protecting certain players. That I think Absolutely they would love to not. throw the no, book listen, at a guy like Tom. Way easier yeah. for them to suspend 100%. Tom Wilson today. Hundred percent, but it wouldn't have been the right thing. Right. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, the one thing I did want to tell you is, uh, so during the 2018 playoffs, when Ryan Reeves scored, scored the winning goal in that what series, yeah, um, that was my favorite story that I wrote of that series. Was just I got to sit down alone with him after his press conference for a big feature on Ryan Reeves, a Winnipegan, um, and Winnipegger, and, uh, Winnipegger. Sorry, um, but it was just. I mean, he he is just like. He's one of the greatest interviews uh, around. I mean, he's absolutely hysterical. Um, and I know that any any fan of an opposing team is going to hate Ryan Reeves just because of his role. But I think if, if Wild fans love – if Wild had Ryan Reeves, he'd be the fan favorite on this oh, team. Oh, for sure. Fan, fan – whatever team he plays yeah. for absolutely, absolutely loves him. And his teammates love him as well. And that was, you know – it's funny that it, uh, the first time I ever saw Ryan Reeves play hockey was in that rink. Uh, I don't know what they call it now, Bell MTS Place, I think. Yep. And I saw him play as a high school player. His father, of course, Willard Reeves, uh, you know, one of the greatest CFL running backs ever, played for the Redskins and the Dolphins um, in the NFL, but really made his mark uh, with Winnipeg in the in the Canadian Football League. So uh, obviously, you know, Bud Grant had 
you know, coached the Blue Bombers mm-hmm. to to great cups, and uh, Willard came after Bud, but uh, a great franchise, and uh, and he stayed in Winnipeg, got a job with uh, as a marshal in the sheriff service there, yeah. and uh, you know, it, Ryan's a Winnipeg guy, goes back there in the summer, and uh, it's uh, he's part of the culture there. And part of the fabric, the athletic fabric there. So that to to win to score that game, score that goal, and knock yeah. his hometown team out of the playoffs, pretty big goal. One of the great interviews he did right after that game was with Scott Oak. Scott Oak. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, Scott Oak's son and him best friends and all that. Um, uh, before we uh, get to a couple Twitter questions from you, I wanted to ask you about Mark Stone. I had no clue until uh, until really seeing him in a Vegas uniform, probably because he, we don't watch a lot of Ottawa, how good mm-hmm. this guy is. I mean, he is he is just a sensational hockey player. It's uh, funny that you put it that way because yeah. when we traded for Mark Stone, I knew Mark. I was working in Winnipeg when Mark was growing up, and I, I've known him for a long time and knew about his – his career in junior and with team Canada and then with, with the senators. And whenever we would play Ottawa or when, whenever Ottawa would come to Winnipeg prior to that, I'd watch him play a little bit. Now I he was a good player, but you watch him for four or five games in a row and you see all the little things yes. he does. And then the hockey IQ, which you can't really pick out just in one game, like a bad player will have a good game because the decisions he makes on a certain night, will all go his way. A, a good player who makes the right decisions all the time, that that's a great player and you see that over over mm-hmm. the span over, you know, a period of time and I've come to really think he's Shane Knight he says he's the smartest forward in the National Hockey League and I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, and, uh, Shane was a really smart defenseman too. His Wild fans probably remember when he was here for a very short time but but a uh, really good player. Um uh, by the way, uh, somebody that's from Minnesota says, I'm an ex-Winnipegger. Ask Gary, um, are you missing the winners, missing mosquitoes? I'm not missing the winners, and uh, we still have a summer place up on Lake Winnipeg, so I still get my, my share of mosquitoes, and I don't like mosquitoes. So, hey, what, was the Italian, like what was the Italian place that you brought a ton of us uh, writers and broadcasters uh, during the uh, playoffs? Well, there's like, two, two places I've taken It's like you really like, modern yeah, uh, that would have been Pizzeria Gusto. Yeah, and I uh, and I've also took you guys to Mona Lisa, yeah. so a uh, couple of places. Yeah. yeah, my favorite steakhouse is in Winnipeg too. The uh, what's it? It's in the like old Victorian mansion. Yeah, five two nine Wellington. Yeah. Uh, it's it's if you live in Minnesota, it's actually worth the flight to go up there for dinner at five two nine. They do it right. It's unbelievable. Uh, we brought we went with Ken Weeb and uh, uh, I can't remember. It was a broadcaster. It might have been Kenny Albert or somebody. It was. It was. Uh, it was good. Uh, Pierre LeBron was there with us. Um, somebody asked, "How does it feel to have Russo's dream job?" It's not not too uh, inaccurate. Um, what, what what somebody does ask about the, the Gold Knights game ops? Uh, you know, we've written the story to death. But what was the biggest key there? I mean, they basically essentially hired Vegas show producers right to do no they hired johnny greco who uh was working for the wwe i think at the time and he had worked for carrie bubolts uh with uh with the cavaliers in cleveland prior to that and uh, johnny johnny got hired away from vegas went to the rangers was there for a little bit and then uh joined now he's with seattle he's helped uh he's a senior vp with the kraken Bill Foley, I think, really, it started with him in, in the fact that he said, we're not just going to put on a hockey game. This is Vegas. It's got to be a show. And then, so, you know, he committed some resources. Like, they spent a lot of money 
on what they did there. Yeah. And then Johnny put together a real good team. Uh, and uh, then they hired, you know, the showgirls. They hired uh, <laughs> a great anthem singer, Carnell Johnson. They hired, uh, they, they put together the drum line. They got the mask lowered down. They, 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 they wrote the, the opening with the night, you know, pulling the sword out of the stone, all of that good stuff. So uh, yeah. it's, um, it's, it, it, it's hard to watch games right now with, with so few fans in the building. It's even worse in Vegas. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're trying to do that show like they do, but the fans are the, are the, are the they're the stars of the show. Yeah. Really. It's so funny to watch players from other teams, you know, when it's a TV break, you watch the players and all the actions going on in the rink, yeah. and it's all up on the jumbotron, uh, the nitron. Yeah, the, the players are watching. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the they players, sit there with, yeah. their, with their eyes popping yeah. out of their heads. I just love also. It's I mean, it reminds me of L.A. You go there, you see celebrities. I, I uh, the the first couple of, the first year that, that Vegas was there, I did a couple features on Daniel Negreanu. And uh, and I actually brought him down after a wild game to meet Bruce Boudreaux and Devin Dubnik. And, like, all the players were in awe that Daniel Negrano was outside the <laughs> locker room. And I just thought it was so cool, like, that I was the one that got oh, to yeah. bring him down. It was just neat. Jenna Christensen, a couple more minutes with Gary here. Uh, Jenna Christensen says, Knights are great on transition. Seems like partially due to them cherry-picking a forward in the neutral zone or at least leaving early. Will this remain a strength or be exploited in a typically more structured playoffs? Uh, well, they'll have to make that decision, but it, it's, it's, they leave fast, but they also activate D like, you know, Petrangelo and Theodore are, at, you know, and Martinez, they're up in the rush all the time. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, there's, they outman the opposition quite often in transition. So uh, whether or not DeBoer wants them, uh, it's a strength. I wouldn't take it away entirely, yeah. but I think, do think there's game management. You know, if you're up to nothing in the third period, you're probably not, uh, you're probably not activating your D and you're probably not flying the zone. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, get Fiala's line mates, Matthew Coldy asks, uh, what does Gary think of Kaprizov, honest opinion? He's the rookie of the year, and I absolutely hate the discussion that he's not. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys play in the American League for a number of years, sometimes before they get to the NHL. College for four that years, doesn't yeah. affect their eligibility. So, uh, you know, he turned pro when he was 17. Yeah. How old is he now? 24? Yep. Yeah. yeah it's not even, he's not even that old. It's not like he's, uh, it's not, he's not Igor Larionov, mm -hmm. you know, who came over after, uh, uh, he, he was in his thirties, I think when, yeah. he, when he arrived. Um, yeah, just, he's a fantastic player, uh, creative, smart, uh, you know, the, the, the rough stuff doesn't bother him. And, uh, and I think he's got a little bit of a sort of a, uh, uh, the killer's glint in his eye. Uh, he likes to, if it's a big moment and it's an opportunity, he likes to be the guy that, that, that finishes the opponent off. Yeah. Two more for, for uh, Gary. Uh, would not be a, a Vegas Knights color analyst insider podcast. Not ask about Alex Tuck. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just a highway robbery by George McPhee. I mean, I could see where, you know, if you're a GM, you would probably with the w situation, the wild we're in, turn your brain into a pretzel. And how do you explain, protect all those people. And I'll be honest, Bill Guerin's having that issue now. He didn't think he was going to, but all of a sudden Dumba's uh, having a good season and Susie and Sturm and all these guys that Seattle might potentially take. Um, how big of a coup was that uh, by, by George McPhee to, to get Tuck in that deal? And, and did you, I mean, do you, do you know what they would have done if they didn't get Hala Tuck? Well, the Wild were in a position with, uh, with all their young defensemen. They, I think that they were, if they, uh, they were if they didn't expose if they if they went 
seven and three, uh, then they were going to have there was going to be good forwards exposed. If they went four and four, uh, they were going to be good good defensemen exposed. They just they had they had an embarrassment of riches of good players, and you know those Vegas was hungry to get guys in Tuck's age group because. You know, that's a, you get you get older guys in expansion draft and then you draft really young guys in the entry draft and then you're missing that 21 22 23 year old player mm-hmm. and there's a gap in uh, in your organization so tuck was uh, was all the answers for them but you must have remembered yeah. you remember better than me I, I seem to recall the name Brodeen. yeah well what they did I mean it was basically Brodeen Dumbo they wound up protecting yeah. Brodeen, but they could have easily done the other way around but Dumbo was exposed Scandella was exposed. A big thing there that Wild fans might not remember is they did not want to lose Scandella or they needed a big salary to trade to Buffalo to dump to dump salary too in that deal. And that's actually how they got Felino. Um so it was it was an absolute mess. And Billy Garen's going through that now. Suddenly you got Talbot and Kacken and you gotta make a decision on. You have Dumba. Uh it's 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 uh I think you have to bite the bullet. Yeah, yeah. You're going to lose a player. That's that's how your owner's getting a check for twenty million. Yeah, you're losing a player. (laughs) Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. Somebody asked, by the way, wink if if the Golden Knights are really owned by the mob. Uh, No winking. Bill Foley is not a mobster. (laughs) Uh, He's uh, uh, one of the most successful um, uh, entrepreneurs in the United States, and uh, he has you know just amassed. uh, He's got restaurants. He's got wineries. But the, the, his the financial were, services uh, yeah. Yeah. are his big, you know, title insurance. Yeah. He owns a whole bunch of title insurance companies. Chances are your, uh, if you have a title on your home, um, it's uh, Bill Foley owns the company yeah. that, uh, that gave you the title. And that is where we met uh, George McPhee and I. That's yeah. one of his title places. Hey, Gary, this was uh, a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, um, I, I, you don't root in the press box, but I might be rooting for a Minnesota <laughs> Vegas series just because I like uh, – People might know I like spending some time in Vegas. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And as I always mentioned, you can subscribe to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash straight from the source for $3.99 per month. Uh, just so many incredible stories across our platform, but especially in hockey. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm just constantly blown away by our staff and, and the stories that we have every single day on our platform. I have like 300 stories right now on my saved uh, stories uh, link on my uh, athletic app. Um, but we also have just podcasts galore throughout the site. Not only do we have Gary Lawless today, and thanks to Gary for joining, uh, but Katie Strang discusses the latest uh, on Jake Vertanen and the Vancouver Canucks with uh, Jeff Patterson and Thomas Drance on the Vancast. Um, Bill Daly. 
The deputy commissioner of the NHL joins Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun on the two-man advantage edition of the Athletic Hockey Edition Hockey Show. Uh, that's Wednesday at the Athletic. And Ned Coletti, the former GM of the LA Dodgers, who's scout for the uh, San Jose Sharks, uh, he joins. Uh, he spends the full sixty with Craig Custance this week on the Athletic. I have so many um, uh, questions for this Q and A that our my producer uh, Jeff Domet might just kill me here. Um, but I'm going to try to breeze through them real quick. So I'm not going to just to try to get as many as I can get in there. I'm going to basically give quick answers and make it sort of a quick hit mini Q&A. Um, but my favorite Twitter name ever, I, I say this on every podcast, is Dogfather, Belly Rubs for Pups. Um, I ran into my uh, next door neighbor the other day in the street and she has a new dog. And I said, anytime you need any, any dog sitter, uh, come and get me because I'm a dog guy. But uh, he asks, uh, do you get to hang out with any of the players this year as a media member or is that a big COVID no-no? If you have hung around the team, can you explain what it feels like, what the room is? Uh, lots of good quotes about being close and playing for each other and what it's like. Um Really, uh, you know, it is technically a big no-no. I, I did go on the last road trip. I've been on a lot of road trips lately, but I stayed at the team hotel in Arizona, and I happened to work at the team hotel in L.A. before. I mentioned, I think, on the last podcast how my uh, the co-founder, Adam Hansman, and, and Arsena, one of our lawyers at The Athletic, uh, they took me out to the Beverly Hills Hotel, the Polo Lounge, uh, last week. I'm already uh, lying to you, and I said I was going to make this a quick hitter, but now I'm already telling a story. Um, but I, after that lunch, I'm like, do I go back to my hotel, or what do I do before this game? So I went over to the Staples Center, JW, there, and I just worked in the lobby. So I did get to see a lot of wild players face-to-face, um, -face, social distancing, masked up uh, during the last trip. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I, the, I mean, it's great to be around these guys again. It was great to see these guys again. It was funny. Even some of them were like excited to see me because they haven't seen me in so long. Uh, all they do is hear my voice every day on these zooms. So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, there's a good feel with this team. they seem to be a close knit bunch. It was good catching up with a lot of guys face to face, especially in Arizona where I, I did get to see a bunch of these guys. Um, and as far as the quotes you mentioned, that's the best thing that Billy Guerin did. Screw the fact that all these guys can play. I mean, he just added every player that he added is just a great quote from Nick Benino and Nick Bukestead to Ian Cole and Marcus Johansson uh, to Cam Talbot. I mean, these guys are just awesome quotes. Uh, Nico Sturm, I know that Billy didn't add him. Great quote. We were joking in the press box last night that uh, all our Zoom transcriptions take forever because for the first time ever, uh, the Wild is just quote machine after quote machine, which has been really fun this year and why I can't wait to get in the locker room. Ken Jones, who's in the band 100 Watt Jones. I assume that band's still around, Ken. Uh, hockey is a lot better to cover when it's fun, eh? How glad are you that you're not on deadline with this team? No crap. Uh, I cannot believe what the other beat writers are having to deal with that have to file the gun and constantly rewrite these stories. I get uh, my stories change too, but I usually have a blank slate when I start my stories, which is why I leave the press box a couple hours after everybody else. I, I'm walking out of there usually on 1, 2 a.m. Um, after a game writing my articles. Uh, so, uh, But I am so glad that I don't have to file on deadline. I have to rewrite stories that you got to file, as we say in the business, at the gun. Ben Hurdle says after writing the Rossi story, if he gets the all cl uh, clear at the Olympics, 
perfect site and his dad renting out the rink and his workout routine. You can't rule this kid out for the opening night knowing that you know about his determination, right? Uh, right, yeah. I mean, a lot will be up to obviously Billy Guerin. He might just want him to go to Iowa, but uh, clearly Marco Rossi's coming in committed to try to make this team. And if you don't know what Ben Hurdle was uh, saying, uh, in the middle of this month here, in the month of May, he's going to go to an Olympic uh, park up in Austria about six hours from his house, I believe. And uh, that's where he's going to go see the cardiologist, get a bunch of different doctors' opinions, take a stress test, an EKG, MRI, and that's when he'll hopefully get the all clear to begin uh, ramping up right now. Josh asks, uh, can we expect to see Boldy in the playoffs? Uh, if so, whose spot will he most likely take? I, I think at this point, I think it's fair to say that Boldy's not going to come up and just be in you know, immediately or automatically, I should say, uh, put into the lineup. I, I think that he'll come up and be part of the Black Aces. And then if they have an injury or need a spark, you, you have Boldy make his debut, or maybe he will get, you know, uh, a game here at the end of the regular season. But right now, they're, they're for the most part, healthy. I mean, Johansson's close to returning. They had trouble getting Bukestead in. So I, I just don't see that they're going to um, you know, just automatically give Boldy a game. And, and the schedule's weird now that it's been recast here because the Wild have three off days between uh, games 54 and there are two road games in, in uh, St. Louis to end the season. And so I really think they're going to have to use those two games in St. Louis, not to rest guys, but to actually tune up for the playoffs and get back in the swing of things. Because, um, you know, you play May 8th, they're going to have two actual off days and then a practice day and then they play. And if all of a sudden you just continue to rest guys in games 55 and 56, there are going to be some guys that haven't played in a week and a half by the time the playoffs start. So I don't think we're going to see that, uh, but we'll see in the next little while. Um, Connor says, how much has goaltending increased our team's confidence this year? They're both extremely capable of stopping the puck. Our goalies are being are each a uh, proven enforcer and a proof. Uh, I'm not sure what the part two means there, uh, but I completely agree with you. I think that this team uh, has a lot of confidence in their goaltending, where maybe it just didn't have have that same confidence here the last couple of years. Is as Devin Dudmick's game just kind of seemed to uh, you know disintegrate a little bit the last couple of years. Um, Head scout of the NFL says, uh, who has surprised you the most with their performance down the stretch or even this whole season? Um, I would say Yule Erickson Eck. I, you know, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Uh, I think I said it in the open. I, I just never knew that he had this goal scoring in him. And this guy's on a, you know, a 35 goal pace this year. I mean, it's just crazy. And this is something I've, I've publicly said he didn't have the ability to even score 20. So uh, he almost has 20 in a shortened season. So look like a moron there. Um, not you, me. Uh, Johnson from Wisconsin says, would the wild trade a second for Seattle to take Rask? Um, I guess it's what else you get for that. I, I don't know why they would take Rask if they could take a Susi or a Sturm. I think what the Wild are willing to do is is do anything in their cost to protect Dumba and Talbot. So we'll see. I do think that there is a definite potential for side deals here. I know that would scare Wild fans after giving up Tuck, um, but I have a feeling the I think the Wild would be willing to give up uh, draft picks in the second round if it means keeping a Talbot here um, and maybe a Matt Dumba. Uh, but we'll see as we get closer. Uh, a lot still to go. Uh, Steve Hoagland says, any chance the Wild protects Susie over Dumba? No. And force Seattle to take Dumba and his $6 million cap hit? Uh, no chance. Um, I, I, I could just tell you, I mean, I, I think that 
that Matt Dumba is somebody that is really liked by the coaching staff and by the general manager right now. And I think a lot has changed since October when it looked like an aforementioned thing that that, uh, Matt Dumba was going to be traded. I think that Billy Guerin wants to figure out a way to make sure that Matt Dumba is not on Seattle next year and and maybe even not trading him. Um, I, I think he likes Matt Dumba and this blue line as a whole. Um, Corey asks, is Talbot regressing back to the norm or has defense dropped in quality in the last one to two weeks? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, he goes, uh, Corey says, seems like the goals against has ticked up. That's for sure. He's given up 14 goals in the last three games. He made, as I mentioned in the open, huge saves in the third period. But but there's no doubt that that Talbot hasn't been the same here the last three games and that, uh, that he's trying to get his game back on track. But it's also no doubt that their defense the last little while has been very, very uh, shaky. Not even just the defense, but the the way they manage the puck has led to an odd lot of odd man rushes. But you know what? They're winning these games, and they, these are the games they're going to have to win if they're going to play Vegas or Colorado. I mean, that's the one thing that Wild fans better get used to now is it is going to be back and forth games, a hundred percent um, in, in the playoffs, uh, if you're playing these two teams, cause there's just no way to stop that talent from getting offensive chances every single night. Uh, Ross protect Talbot or Kakinen tough factoring age. They'll, they'll protect uh, Kakinen. I've got to think, but maybe quasi protect Talbot by making sure that they give up a potential pick. Um, let's see, Laurent, uh, are the wild planning on signing Philip Johansson. Remember they have his rights for another year. I think they're just going to continue to evaluate that, but he'll stay in Sweden uh, next year. I'm almost positive. Um, Shmevin Shmiala, uh, the burner count for, uh, Kevin Fiala, uh, Boldy expected to play. We just answered that. Um, by the way, that's not really Kevin Fiala's burning burner count. I don't think, um, Gene Parmesan, hopefully I'm not mispronouncing your name. I probably am. Uh, where do you predict Alex Hovanoff plays next season? seems like a year in Iowa would be good for him. Uh, yeah. If you think he's coming to Minnesota uh, after not even being able to play in the KHL pretty much this year and playing in their sort of junior league, uh, no chance. Uh, he'll be in Iowa if he, as long as he comes back. Um, Connor, did the Wild have to win a playoff series for this season to be considered a success? Look, I mean, you know, Bill Guerin expects his team to be a cup contender. He wants to win a cup like no other. So if they lose in the first round again, it's going to be very, very disappointing. But the good news about this team is is that you see what you have in front of you on the ice and how exciting they are and playing fun hockey. Then you think that they've got Boldy and Rossi and Addison and these guys, Beckman and uh, you know, uh, O'Rourke and Hunt and all these guys coming down the str- coming down the pike. It's just excited for the future. So obviously they want to win. But look, when you're going up against Colorado and Vegas in the first round, if all of a sudden the Wild lose there, I don't think fans should just go completely ballistic and say this year was an absolute disaster. It's a weird season, shortened season. And the one thing that this year has shown me is that the future is bright for this organization. Um, let me just see a couple more questions because I do have to get to, uh, get out of here, here. Does Dean Evison have a legit shot of the Jack Adams, Gary asks. I think he does. It's up to the broadcasters. The writers don't vote for that one, but they've had a great year. I mean, you know, would the bottom, you know, roasting on the bottom four teams in this crummy division change stuff, uh, change people's opinions compared to other coaches that are maybe doing as good a job, uh, potential, um, you know, I think that Joel Quenville is going to be up for the award in Florida. I think uh, Rod Brindamore uh, in Carolina, Sheldon Keefe in Toronto. Um, you know, there's a lot of good coaches this year, but uh, but I definitely think that Dean Evison has earned his stripes. Um, B. Steph 12 asks, if you're Seattle, who do you take off the roster? Well, if I assume that they're going to figure out a way to quasi-protect uh, Dumba and Talbot, I'd probably take Susie off this roster. Um Michael, 
Uh, if the Wild are healthy, who is the odd man out with a healthy scratch? I would think uh, probably um, Bukestead, maybe even Parisi or Sturm. It's going to probably come from those three. Um, let's see. Uh, Daniel says, of the prospects not currently in Iowa, who do you see the organization valuing the most? Um, how do you think they'd rank them in order of most likely to make an impact? Um, I would probably think who's not Dinoff. Um, O'Rourke. Um, I kind of want to see what this Nestorenko kid's all about in, uh, at BC. Um, you know, Damon Hunt, I know they liked, um, and obviously Adam Beckman, if I didn't mention him. Nick Braun says, did you expect this out of Kirill Kaprizov? I thought he'd be really good. I didn't think he'd be this good. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I just, he is a true star. He's going to be a star in this league. Um, Jonathan Oliver says, why did the referees not give any explanation as to why goalie interference was not called? Um, technically, according to Dean Evison after the game, they gave him the explanation that he, they felt that Talbot engaged with Yarnmark. Um, but when I look at it, there's no doubt that Talbot puts his hand on Yarnmark's, Yarnmark's back, but then he lets go and he's playing his position. And then when Yarnmark spun, he spun, he clipped Talbot and in my eyes clearly stopped his ability to make the stop. So that is clear goalie interference. If the, if the Felino one knocked out the Carson Soucy goal in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. So they should, I think they should have given Cam Talbot an explanation, but, uh, but according to Dean Evison after the game, the refs did give him a, an explanation. Uh, Jay Zito, what are the Fiala and Kaprizov contracts going to look like? I would think that their uh, Kaprizov is going to be in the eight range if it's on a long eight-year deal, seven-year deal. Um, I would think Fiala is going to be in the six range, probably on a shorter term deal. Uh, Kevin uh, Rigvard goes, how the hell did Fiala get a suspension earlier this year while some, those same morons only find Wilson five grand for the assault last night? My mother asked the same question by the time I woke up today. Now, last question of the show. Melanie goes, um, how do you feel about all the talk about the wild finally being fun slighted vindicated um well i don't work for the team so it's no no shot at me but hey you know what I, I don't think it's a slight i think it's true like like i've covered this team for 16 years they've not been very exciting uh they're not the most you know they've been a pretty blah 16 year existence covering this team out of the 20 that they've played so uh, i i love what i'm seeing it's fun it uh, it is i think it's absolutely accurate so Hey, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks for Gary Lawless for joining. Until next week's show, uh, which might be a very, very, very special show next week. Um, I hope everybody stays safe. And if you're listening to this podcast, check out our comments section for each podcast episode of The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source on Apple. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and receive a subscription for just three bucks and 99 cents per month. Good day, everybody. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.